0: Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m. And you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Well, I'm sure at some point in your life, you've heard the saying, practice makes perfect. And if you've really tried hard to practice something to become perfect, You've probably said, yeah, right. (laughs) Practicing hard things usually is helpful. Sometimes we find we practice something and we we see ourselves getting a little better. We We see ourselves improving. But sometimes when we practice something difficult, we realize, oh, man, I'm just out of practice. Or we realize we've maybe taken one step back for the two we made forward. Or actually, we practice something and study it more intensely. And we come to realize, oh, there's so much more than I even knew. I still have a long way to go. And so practice can help us and can be somewhat frustrating as well. My first uh, personal experience with practice, I think, came in the fourth grade. And that was when I signed up to try to learn to play the French horn through our school music program. And I remember... uh, As part of that program, every week there'd be a a one on one session with the teacher. And I remember after my very first session, I had the practice book, of course, and he wrote at the top of lesson one after my first week, Don't puff your cheeks. I was like, Who knew? I don't know, you're just blowing the thing. So I realized I had a lot to learn, uh, and it was a process, but I went on to practice and to play actually really enjoyed playing and enjoyed the music, enjoyed the instrument and kept that up, uh, playing in the band through high school. And it was in high school that I got connected to another opportunity for practice, and that was when I joined the high school cross country and track teams. And so that was a lot of practice. And it probably is in these areas of athletics and the arts that we hear the word practice the most. And in fact, we end up practicing the thing often more than we do the thing. And so you think about the hours of practice that go into a school play for the three or four hours that play is on over the course of a final weekend. And the practice we put on. If we're not at a meet or a match or a game, we're at practice. If we're not playing in a performance or in a play, we are at practice. We get involved in these kinds of activities and hobbies and find ourselves practicing a lot. And we know that it's the practice that we put in that hones our skills, that keeps us fresh, keeps us in shape and reveals to us the things we still need to work on and things we need to learn. We tend to get better at hard things only if we practice. And so maybe it's no surprise that when we think about the hard thing that we call being a Christian, maybe it's not a surprise that that also takes practice. It doesn't come automatically or naturally or instantly. We actually have to work at it. Sometimes we have to work hard. And we find that as we work at being a Christian, it doesn't make us perfect. Any perfect Christians here? Just, okay. I saw that hand, Phil, thank you, okay. (laughs) And so just like any other kind of practice, we, we, it doesn't make us perfect, but we might find ourselves getting a bit better, although I'm not sure how exactly we'd qualify that as, uh, becoming, as being a Christian, but becoming more faithful, becoming more consistent in what we feel like we're called to do and to be as a follower of Jesus. Back in the time of Jesus, he modeled skills and practices to those disciples that he called. Being a committed disciple in that day was kind of an apprenticeship. Someone who wanted to follow a rabbi, a teacher, would come and and apply to that rabbi's program and perhaps be accepted in and then watch the teacher, listen to the teachings, and try to become like the rabbi through practice. And so that's what happened in the story we looked at last week. The story from Luke, when Jesus sent out 72 disciples who had been watching him, who had been learning from him, and he sent them out and said, I want you to practice the things that you've seen me do. I want you to heal and preach and teach about the kingdom of God. In so many ways, this model of discipleship really hasn't changed. We might think of ourselves as apprentices of Jesus Christ as our rabbi, as our teacher. And so we don't get to watch him and learn from him uh, in person like those first disciples did, but we look at Jesus and watch him as we see him revealed in the Gospels, these books in the Bible of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We listen to him teach. We watch what he does, and then we seek to practice to become more like him. We put into practice those things Jesus taught his followers to do. And just like with any other kind of practice, we discover it doesn't make us perfect, but if we don't do it, we get soft, we forget, we get rusty. And so we keep practicing. We keep practicing to become more faithful and to learn as we study what it is we didn't know that we didn't yet know, and we keep at it. Ever since the church was born, which you can think of as that time when Jesus began to call disciples to follow him and practice what he did, there have been practices that help us as Christians as we practice to be like Jesus. There are these practices, these habits or exercises or disciplines, they've been called things that help us keep fit, keep us on track as we seek to follow Jesus. Jesus once told his followers, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, when Jesus used this yoke language, he was evoking an image that would have been familiar to the people of a yoke, a pair of oxen in which a a younger ox was paired with a veteran ox to try to learn from the master what what it took to get the job done. And Jesus said, I want you to take my yoke. I want you to yoke up with me. And this yoke metaphor was also used to describe the particular teachings and practices of a rabbi. And Jesus was no different. I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrases, paraphrases this passage in his message. He says, Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So Jesus says, His yoke is easy. Not because it's simple, but because Jesus doesn't want to weigh us down with anything we don't need. Doesn't want to place on us anything that would be ill-fitting or onerous or just heavy for its own sake. It's not a simple yoke, but it's an easy load, he says. Work with me, Jesus tells us. And I think of how we might work with a, a personal trainer at a gym, and we try to keep our eyes fixed on their every move and see what they're doing because we know if we're able to do what they're doing, maybe eventually through practice and stretching, that'll help keep us on track. And so we watch what Jesus is doing as we learn from him. We watch him do it. And then we try to figure out what doing that same thing looks like in our own lives and context, which might be different and might be very similar to what we see in the gospels. When I practiced the French horn, there were things I had to do, scales and warm-ups, practice pieces that I would do on my own. And then there were things I would do to practice with the larger group, with the band, so we could get better at playing with each other. I worked on my technical skills alone and my group skills in the band. When I ran cross-country and track, there were speed workouts, there were distant runs, there were different things we would do that would help us in different areas. There was flexibility and strength training. There were things we each did to try to get better as individual runners. And then there were times we worked on becoming a better team. We would talk about strategy for a given meet that was coming up. We talk about supporting and encouraging each other. How do we lean into our strengths and compensate for our weaknesses? And when we practice our Christian faith, there are things we do as individuals to grow, to grow in our faith, to get better at living more like Jesus calls us to live. And then there are things we do together as well to live into our reality as the body of Christ. And so instead of scales and wind sprints, we take on practices like praying together and worshiping as we gather in times and places like this. We study the Bible. We serve alongside each other. We grow in our language and practice of worship with our lives. There are things we do, practices we undertake, to become stronger. But I think there's an important difference between as uh, my practicing for high school band or high school sports and, and the Christian life. Because when I was learning how to play the French horn, I didn't pray to a music god to give me the ability to play. I had to put in the practice And my sense was, if I practice, if I do these things, they might not always be fun or easy, but if I do these things, I'll get better, at least to the point I have some natural ability in music and with this instrument. And then when I was trying to improve as a runner, I I had to do the workouts. I had to put in the miles, and I had to rest, and I had to eat right. I couldn't hope for some cross-country god to just transform me overnight into a star athlete. And I think when we practice our faith, it really is both and. I think we do the work and we rely on God's Spirit to do the deepest work in us, to do in us and for us things we can't possibly do on our own. And so we practice and we yield to God's Spirit and we trust that he will be faithful and effective in our lives. We yield to the work of God's spirit, and we engage those tasks and those practices that we know will help grow us to become the people God's called us to be. Now, we know that even as athletes or as musicians, as artists or poets or craftspeople or business people, it's very appropriate for us to give God glory for the talents and abilities that God has given us. But when it comes to our faith, I think we acknowledge more than anything, this is not about us. Anything that we have to show for ourselves in the Christian walk is thanks to God's work and faithfulness in our lives. It's God's Spirit who enables us to be anything remotely like our Lord and perfect role model, Jesus Christ. And for those of us who consider ourselves Christians, growing in our faith, can't possibly mean that we we hit the spiritual gym or spiritual practice room enough times or with enough discipline that we somehow become acceptable or good enough in God's sight. We practice our faith and we do the practices, but more than anything, we try to stick close to Jesus and just try to let him rub off on us and trust that God's spirit will do that transforming work in our lives. And this is what Jesus was talking about when he told his disciples shortly before he was about to die and then to rise again and ascend to heaven, that they should remain in him. They should abide in him. This is the passage from John that was read earlier. Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, it's really interesting that Jesus says this, that apart from him, we can't do anything, or his friends can't do anything, because he is about to become physically apart from them. He's about to leave them for a very long time. And as followers of Jesus today, we're still waiting to be physically reunited with him as our Lord and Savior. And so we join this long line of disciples who for centuries and millennia have been trying to figure out what does it mean to stick close to Jesus when he's not physically with us in the room? What does it mean to stick close to him? Just like a cluster of grapes clings tenaciously to the vine, to remain, to abide, what does that look like? I think an essential element of our practice is reminding ourselves that just because physically Jesus is not with us, it doesn't mean he's not here with us. Jesus once told his friends, where two or three of you gather in my name, I am there, I am there among them. And so we recognize the presence of Jesus even here as we gather today in worship. Anytime we gather together to study God's word or to serve alongside each other, to serve those among us who, just like us, reflect the image of Creator God. We remain in Jesus and cling to him as the true vine, as we pray as, we ta- as he taught us to pray, as we listen to what he taught and then seek to put that into practice, as we engage those practices and those disciplines that have guided the church for centuries since the time Jesus physically left his friends promising that he would return and that he would be with them to the very end of the age. There's an acronym that's been around really for decades in uh, Christian discipleship information circles within our covenant denomination, and that's GROW, G-R-O-W. As we submit to the power and the work of God's spirit in us, as we humbly and consciously rely on God's spirit, to bring good things from those efforts that we undertake, the work we put in. We take on this yoke of Jesus, and part of that includes engaging in spiritual practice, disciplines, habits. And the G stands for God's word, because we want to be illuminated by God's spirit. We want God's spirit to speak to us from, from the living word as we participate in Bible studies. As we study our own, as we take our own devotional time and study the Bible, we pray, we meditate on scripture. I love how we prayed that scripture together this morning. We commit to God's word. We try to bring it into our hearts. We memorize portions of it. And we wrestle with God's word. We recognize that as we come to it, we have doubts or questions. And we bring all of that to our encounters with God's word. As covenanters and as Christians, we seek passionately to be people of the word. And then the R is for relationships. We want to be united by God's spirit as we relate to one another, as we engage in relationships with sisters and brothers in Christ. And so we seek out mentors who can help us in our walk, and we we agree to be mentors to those who approach us. We enter into relationships with spiritual directors, people who can help us listen for the voice of God's spirit guiding in our lives. We meet with each other as friends. We join and connect groups here at Bethany. We gather around uh, fellowship and times of fun and food and prayer and discussion. We do life together in relationship. We form relationships and pay attention to relationships inside the body of Christ and beyond the body as well. And everywhere we seek to extend the grace and love and forgiveness of God as God's spirit gives us opportunity. We seek to foster relationships across generations, across backgrounds, across ethnicities, so we might more fully reflect the kingdom of God. And then the O reminds us that our connection to Christ, our abiding to him, will always lead us toward outward action, some sort of response. As we're directed by Christ's spirit, we will move toward people and places of need. We'll seek to be a neighbor to those who need one. We'll demonstrate the love of God through tangible actions, through sacrificial giving of our resources. We'll invest our time, our money, our gifts, our abilities, will serve within the church and beyond our doors. And then finally, ignited by the Spirit, we engage in worship. We gather as Christ's body in corporate worship, and we engage in ongoing prayerful conversation with God throughout the day as we daily accept the love and grace and forgiveness of Jesus We seek to cultivate a life that overflows with gratitude and prayer and praise to God. (coughs) Excuse me. And we recognize that sometimes being grateful is itself a difficult and challenging workout. And all of these things we know take practice. None of these things necessarily come easily. So I want to invite you uh, to take just a couple of moments now as you look at this list, and these areas, and if you think about each of these areas as a different muscle group that might require some workout and practice, I want you to think about where God might be inviting you to spend a little bit of extra time, intentional focus, intentional workout and practice in the next week or two. Which of these four would you like to spend some intentional practice work on? I think for me it would be uh, relationships, this yes, idea of really connecting with one another and understanding where someone else is coming from and, and uh, doing that listening work that we know will, will cultivate a heart connection between us. And we know some of these practices are things we can do every day or maybe once a week It's often helpful to be intentional and to build in rhythms of practice in these areas, maybe daily, maybe weekly. But sometimes it's helpful to set aside a separate time when we can do uh, some more intensive work. I know when when our son was uh, part of high school cross country himself, they would have a summer intensive camp down at a state park in southern Minnesota. And man, that was intense. They were working out a lot but that was a separate time of retreat, of getting away and intense focus. And we have opportunities for that as well. And if we follow Jesus through the pages and stories of the gospels, we'll see that he did this. We see that he had seemingly daily rhythms and practices, but there were times when he would get away to remote and solitary places for focused time and conversation and prayer and communion with his father. And so that's a rhythm that we might choose to include as well, as we look at more intensive or immersive times away as we have opportunity. I know for many that could be a significant challenge. But I do want to briefly alert you to some fall retreat opportunities at Pilgrim Pines, okay, <laughs> which is our conference camp and conference center in southern New Hampshire. So this September, there is a women's retreat that will offer many opportunities to uh, to connect with other women, to grow in faith, and to do this kind of work, this practicing these disciplines of connecting with God and growing in faith. And three of our own Bethany members will be leading workshops at this retreat, so that's pretty special. And then in October, also at Pilgrim Pines, a silence retreat will be offered to anyone who wants to take time to get away, to listen for the sometimes quiet voice of God, to pay attention to the voice of God, whom we believe still speaks. And so registration is open now for both of those retreats. There's a bulletin board here on my right uh, that features opportunities at Pilgrim Pines. You can also go onto their website, pilgrimpines.org, for information, or you can also connect with Lisa Olson, who is our uh, camp representative here at Bethany. She's not here today, or I'd have her uh, wave a hand, but you can find out more information from her. Jesus says, I want you to cling to me. I want you to picture those grapes and how they cling to the vine, and that's how I want it to be between you and me. He wants us to yoke up. He wants us to picture that pair of oxen and how they need to be in step and how one can learn from the other. Jesus says to stick close to him and to trust that he leaves us his spirit who will continually teach us and grow us and empower us in this walk. Our practice will not make us perfect in the Christian faith, but we trust that God's spirit will one day present us perfect and faultless because of his son, because of God's son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, our master, our teacher, our savior, thank you that you are here in our, in our midst today as we gather in your name. Jesus, we thank you that you are faithful and we thank you for your love. Thank you for teaching us your ways, for not leaving us in the, in the dark, but for showing us how to live, for offering us your yoke. Lord, strengthen our faith and help us to grow to be more like you. Send your spirit again to grow us as people, to help us grow as kingdom people and to become more and more your very own body. We pray this all in your holy name, amen.